What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Football full circle right here on the grid. Happy 4th of July. We're joined this hour by co-host of College Football Today, Rich Germanello. Rich, what's going on, buddy? Happy 4th. Same to you guys. Yeah, you guys have any uh, big plans for today? Let off some fireworks, maybe? Yeah, I mean, you know. Isn't everybody no... complaining about fireworks? You know, I I see myself, I, I've been hearing fireworks in my neighborhood for like the last six weeks. I, I don't Damn. know what's going on. So I guess I guess we're going to bring out the uh, armed artillery for Fourth of July just to step uh, it up, right? I guess so. I think people have been passing the boredom with uh, a little extra yeah. fireworks. Fireworks, but, yeah. Uh, doesn't really bother me, but I don't have a pet or I don't have a dog that freaks out or fireworks. So uh, I'm not, I'm immune to the the criticism right now, but I freak uh, out here and I just run around the table for a while. (laughs) Speaking of speaking of being immune to something, we are going to get into that's a, that's a professional radio segue uh, there, George. So except this is TV, but uh, so uh, there has been some discussion and it's funny because I had thought about this. I never brought it up on air, um, mainly because I don't think I wanted to forward this idea to the public. But there has been some talk about since Clemson now has 37 players that have tested positive for COVID-19, there is a growing thought process that perhaps, Rich, the Clemson football team athletics program should expose players, athletes prior to the season so as to have more players healthy come uh, September. Now, this is similar to those of you, and I can remember all the way back when I was a little kid, having a chicken pox party or whatever it might be. My sister's 10th birthday party, which was going to be a sleepover of it was going to be a great order of magnitude better than any party she had ever had. She got the chicken pox prior to her 10th birthday party mm. and had to cancel it. I was six years old at the time, and uh, my mom just said, all right, just hang out with your sister, sleep in the same room. You're getting – my mom was a nurse. She's like, you're getting chicken pox. And I didn't get it. Mm. I, I did not get the chicken pox. I got it when, was I, was a se- when I was a senior – at Boston College, and it was awful. I was in quarantine for five days. I ran a 104 fever. I was the sickest I've ever been in my whole life. Trust me, I wish I had it when I was six. In any event, that's a long way around to say, Rich, uh, you think this is a good idea? (laughs) I'm not a doctor. Um, None of us are. Uh, I I think, 
Yeah, no, I don't either uh, uh, play one on TV. But uh, yeah, this, this seems like a, uh, a uh, ill-advised uh, plan, to say the least. Uh, it's funny because I, I have heard this as it pertains to Clemson, because Clemson's made a lot of headlines, as you guys know, when it comes to COVID and the number of uh, positive uh, test cases. So th those numbers have been pretty high from what we've seen compared to other schools. So this concept of the potential for herd immunity uh, has been brought up. I, I can't see intentionally exposing kids. It does seem careless from a from a healthcare standpoint. But the other question is, let's say that Clemson does achieve herd immunity, if that is even possible at this point. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of other teams out there that may not. So, you know, I, I, what if Clemson is the only program that has herd immunity, but there are 129 FBS schools that do not? Who exactly is Clemson going to play? So it's such a curious situation. And again, we talk about this every week when we have these discussions. Week after week, uh, the climate as it pertains to sports and the coronavirus seems to be changing. And right now, Looking at what's taking place throughout the South, Southwest, and the West, uh, we're in a rough situation considering it's uh, it's early July already. George, how about this notion to try to gain some sort of competitive advantage so that all your good players test positive for COVID, whether they get sick or not, they'll have some immunity through the season. What do you think? Makes sense? What was the uh, word Rich used? Ill-advised? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is asinine. I mean, this is completely asinine. I was really hoping you guys would back this because I'm going to read the doctor's quotes after you're this, done. This is, all right. Listen, I believe all of our wives are in the medical field. Yeah. All right. My wife actually saw something about this. All right. I don't know if it was that this exact article, but she saw something about this and she mentioned it to me. Now, if you know my wife, my wife is very, she's very woman-like, very soft-spoken, doesn't, you know, never, rarely curses. She actually went up to me uh, and had me read it. And then she goes, are people this effing? She used. She didn't say effing. She used the f word, and she never does that, by the way. Stupid. And I'm like, oh wow, you really feel strongly. And she's absolutely right. Once again, my wife has worked in these wards with COVID patients. She sees people of all ages, not just old people, not just very young ones. She has seen people, teenagers. She's seen people, people in their young, in their early 20s, people in shape. Yes, maybe not athletes but per se as far as college athletes or pro athletes but she has seen people of all ages and some of them have died yeah. all right so to say this is oh yeah we'll just get the disease you'll be fine this is what i mean when i keep saying on all these shows with rich and joe who is protecting these kids because they're thinking like this that they're they're gonna they're invincible that they'll get by with it there is no proof that once you get it you won't get it again Remember, you read yeah. the article, they even tell you that they don't know how long the immunity might last for weeks, right. months, years. They don't so, know. Henry all Bushnell, right? Henry Bushnell of oh, Yahoo no. Sports. Uh, so Yahoo Sports did all this and they presented the concept to a dozen health experts, some of whom have advised Power Five conferences or the NCA. Uh, I'm going to start with these uh, list of quotes because they're genuinely entertaining. Uh, I can see why people are thinking about that, says Bill Schaefer, a renowned infectious disease specialist at Vanderbilt University, um, uh, some, a couple of other quotes. Uh, and here's, furthermore, acknowledging competitive advantage and creating it by purposely contacting a potentially deadly disease are two different things. Whether And when asked whether intentional infection is a valid strategy, strategy, excuse me, experts give the same answer that members of the Pactols and Medical Advisory Committee gave on Friday unequivocally. No, says Matt Turnbill, a viral, virologist at Clemson. There's absolutely no validity, says Paul Pottinger, professor of infectious diseases at the University of Washington. Quote, it's a terrible idea, and under no circumstances should anybody think about it. Um, it gets a little bit more measured after that. The issue with immunity, says Chunhui Chi, uh, the director of global health at Oregon State University, is how long it lasts. And this varies greatly across different communicable diseases. Some last for a lifetime, some last only for a few months. Uh, he also points to another finding. For asymptomatic patients, immunity is even shorter. In other words, there appears to be a relationship. This is really important and the crux of what I learned from this article. There appears to be a relationship between degree of sickness, immune system response, and antibody strength. So people, young people who have mild disease or asymptomatic disease, their antibodies may never rise very high. So the reality, guys, is 
this isn't doesn't appear to be a good idea here. Chicken pox, when we were having chicken pox parties, there was some sense of how severe it could be, and rarely was it deadly. I know people are trying to drive down the number of how severe this can be, and we would admit that in younger, healthy athletes, it's not going to have as severe an impact. But it isn't zero, and I think exposing people like this to get some sort of competitive advantage on the football field when you don't even know how long that advantage may last is silly. The reality is somebody can test and be asymptomatic in June, and then in November can get it again. That's really what I learned from this article. And I didn't know that before, Rich. The biggest issue for me, too, is, I mean, obviously, I can never get on board with risking the health of athletes or, or essentially making them guinea pigs in this particular case for as much as we want football, all sports to come back. These are non-essential businesses. I understand the importance from an economic standpoint and even from a psychological standpoint to get the sports that we love so much back in the fall. But to me, the biggest thing continues to be that as, as we, in theory, have more of these players contract this disease, uh, they still could become, unless they're completely quarantined, they could still come in contact with people who are not young, not quite as healthy. It's that spreading of the disease. Uh, some of the things that I have read recently, because, and, and keep this in mind too, for anybody who's watching, there's a reason why they call this a novel virus. This is brand new. There's, we're learning as we go. So to pick apart some of the comments from the medical community back in February and March, they're adjusting to the data that is changing on a very uh, regular basis. And Mike gave some of those quotes, but just how contagious this disease is and how it could impact older people, older staffers, older coaches, I think we said it last week, that's something that just cannot be ignored at this point. I want college football to come back, but it would be really irresponsible for me to say that I'd be willing to see it at the expense of the health of young athletes. George Von Miller uh, of the Broncos had a frightening, quote, frightening experience that included difficulty breathing. Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz, which really he was the he was the guy that lit the candle on all of this, still hasn't fully recaptured his sense of smell. Uh, swimmer Cameron Vanderberg, an Olympic gold medalist, fought COVID for weeks and called it by far the worst virus he's ever endured. And despite being a healthy individual with strong lungs, living a healthy lifestyle, and being young, so um, we ha also have to mention George. This is primarily about the athletes, but there's trainers, professors, coaches, other people that are can be at risk that aren't young, healthy athletes. Well, Richard, Rich just said that he said it perfectly. It's not primarily about the athletes. Because they're going to go home, and there's going to be other people that could get infected. Yeah, they might be asymptomatic, but maybe mom and dad aren't, maybe grandma and grandpa aren't. And even if they are, what about when they go to the bank? They go to the supermarket. They go to Home Depot. They go to wherever they go. They go to the park. They go play bingo or whatever it is they do. It's, it, it is, this, is some, I mean, this is so asinine. I can't believe this even came up. Once again, no one, everyone just wants to play. It's all about the money. No one cares about the health. No one cares. They don't well, the athletes. they just want to play and make the money. Well, what's crazy is this. This is an offshoot. This is an offshoot into something uglier. Like, hey, how can we get these guys sick now so we can get W's when uh, the rubber meets the road in September? It's like, are you are you seriously considering it's fan, this? It's fan thinking. You want? Fan, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What do yeah, the Cowboys fans think when Ezekiel yeah. Elliott got it? Oh, it's good he got it now. He'll be healthy now for yeah. September. Which I mean, doesn't you don't you don't even know that by the way because you just said all well, the athletes you just brought yeah. out all the names and the the problems they've had and they're some guys gonna have worse problems they won't be able to breathe you know as uh as much breath as they normally have it's just nuts I yeah. mean it's just nuts I mean if you do this to uh, let's just say 80 players per team 100 that's 8,000 players you're talking you're telling me a certain percentage of those 8,000 aren't gonna have severe complications nuts. Yeah. And long term, too, George brings up a great point, too, because some of some of the medical uh, data that's coming out now is that there could be to be recovered from COVID doesn't necessarily mean that you have full functioning of your lungs. So there could be an after effect, particularly when it comes to, to athletes. Uh, are you willing to put these kids out there if they're at 75 percent lung capacity? That's something we still haven't quite learned uh, from the medical data.
Yeah, it's the thing I'm most worried about is uh, sort of long term. I wouldn't want to put somebody's lung capacity or heart capacity at risk over this virus. So uh, that's it. That's our weekly coronavirus update on college football. We're going to come back, talk about Rich's All-American offense and All-American defense for the 2020 season. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, everybody, back on the grid. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, on Instagram at SportsGridTV. You'll find all three of us on our individual Twitter handles, at Mike Blewett, at George Kurtz, at Rich Ciarminello, C-I-R-M-I-N-I-E-L-L-O, right? Is that right? You got it. You got it. The second, the third, that third eye is tricky. So in any event, uh, here we are. Uh, you, we got your All-American offense and All-American defense that you've announced for 2020. I expect to see many Pitt Panthers in here, but I haven't read the defense yet. I wanted to surprise myself. So um, oh, give me just real quick, uh, we're going to start with the offense in this segment. Give me just sort of overall thoughts, how you uh, uh, arrived at some of these players, and we can break them down individually. But was there a theme as you were picking out these players that you surprised yourself maybe as you're doing the evaluations? I, I think one of the surprises for me, Mike, is um, just the number of running backs that uh, put off the NFL draft and decided to return for another season. Um, Travis Etienne from Clemson could be in the NFL, returns for his senior year. Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State, uh, could be in the NFL, returns for his junior season. Najee Harris, a second-team All-American out of Alabama, same situation. So I, that was one of the themes that really stood out for me is just the number of running backs. You know, you get used to running backs, and, and it's a very valid point. You know, there's only so much tread on the tire. I'd rather be paid 
to endure this punishment rather than spend another year in college as an unpaid athlete. Uh, that was not the case this year, and it makes for a very, very deep group of running backs in 2020. Why? Why do you think they decided not to uh, go to the NFL? Do they think they can raise their draft stock, which doesn't seem to be the case in the NFL because, you know, they're just not going to take you in the first round, at least not in the first half or first two-thirds of the first round. Why do you think ETN and Herbert decided to Yeah, George, George, that's a good question. I, I don't have an answer other than uh, possibly Travis ETN. Uh, it's a kid I've gotten to know. That program, we could have some fun with Dabo Sweeney. Uh, he has said some uh, maybe uh, – inaccurate things this offseason, but the guy has created a culture that those players down at Clemson really want to be a part of. So when it comes to Travis Etienne, could he, have, could he help his draft stock this year? Possibly. I think he's a complete running back, both as a runner and a receiver. I'm not sure if he rises much higher, but Dabo really has created a culture. We've seen seniors on the defense, right? Uh, Christian Wilkins, most recently defensive tackle, yeah. decides to come back for his senior year. Um, Isaiah Simmons returns uh, a year later than folks expected. It's been a relatively common theme. So Dabble really has created that family culture that kids aren't so quick to, to kind of jump off to the NFL. In terms of Najee Harris and Chuba Hubbard, I, I don't know. I don't know if those backs, we've seen enough tape of those kids. We know how fast Chuba is. We know how versatile and how physical Najee Harris is. So it's a good question, George. In terms of some of those kids, I, I don't have an answer. It just must be a personal taste that uh, they still have more to accomplish in uh, college. So uh, let's go back to the QB position. You picked Fields over Lawrence. Uh, what was the deciding factors there? Uh, so close. And, and you know, I put this out on Twitter, I guess, about a week ago. Got a lot of heat from, from Clemson folks. And, and I understand that. I, I To me, it was 1 and 1A. One I had to choose one. I didn't want to sort of take the uh, the easy route and put both on the team. I just feel that from an explosive standpoint and a consistency perspective, Justin Fields was better last year, and I think he'll be just a touch better this year. He's got better weapons around him than, uh, than Trevor Lawrence does, especially with the potentially season-ending injury to Justin Ross. I think Clemson is a little bit light at wide receiver compared to Ohio State. So both are athletic quarterbacks, by the way. Both can make things happen outside the pocket. The one thing I think a lot of folks don't know about Trevor Lawrence, you look at how tall he is, how statuesque the presence he has in the pocket. He is dynamite as a runner outside the pocket. Great, I mean, fast. So underrated as a runner. So both of these guys have multidimensional skill sets. It's just a matter of taste for me. Trevor threw a few too many interceptions early last year. Super close. I gave a slight edge to Justin Fields. I know I'm sort of beating a, uh, a dead horse here, but I'm going to keep uh, keep it up here. When it comes to Fields, Lawrence, guys who they're going to the top half of the first ten, 10 picks next year, probably the top two picks. With what we just discussed, discussed last segment, what's going on, how uh, these effects of COVID could be long-term. I know we even hit this before. Have your thoughts changed on whether these guys should play, even if we do play this season? Should they should they play this season? If you're their agent or you could talk, you're their dad, their uncle, would you still advise them to play? Or is, what do they have to gain by playing this season? That's what I'm, where I'm going for. You. Do they have anything to gain other than the fact that they're playing with their teammates, playing for a national championship? I mean, what do they have to gain by playing this year? I, in my mind, they only have things to lose. They, they could have a bad season. They can get sick. What is yeah. their game? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a two-pronged debate, George. Uh, you know, there's the professional debate and the personal debate. From a professional perspective, if you're talking about the upper echelon of the opening round, so, you know, uh, I'll go deeper. I'll say Jamar Chase at LSU, the wide receiver, should be the first pass catcher taken in next year's NFL draft. We talked about the backs already. Uh, the quarterbacks, Field and Lawrence, Fields and Lawrence, I, I don't think they necessarily help themselves professionally by returning for one more season. So I don't think there's a lot to gain. There is the personal side, which uh, obviously impossible for any, any one of us to get into their heads, to, to get into their hearts. There are kids out there who love the college experience, love the campus, have a deep connection with their specific alma mater university, and they want to spend one more season at the college level. They want to play with their teammates. They want to make a run for a national championship. That's something that's difficult for me to debate. But to your point, George, from a professional perspective, 
Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, particularly Lawrence. I think we've seen enough. I think scouts have seen enough. Now, Justin Fields, we only have one year of tape, so you might be able to say, you know, we need to see a little bit more. Let's see the development he made from 19 to 2020. But certainly Trevor Lawrence at this point. And, and, and listen, it, it unearths a fascinating debate, and we've talked about it before. If we start to see some outbreaks of COVID on certain campuses, if a team that was in the top 25 begins to sink midway through the season, I would not be the least bit shocked if you start to see these star caliber players step off and say, I'm preparing for the NFL draft, even though it's October or November. I can see that as well. So um, getting back to uh, some of the players on here, Jamar Chase, there was a thought that he could have come out. Uh, Rondell Moore, those are you starting wide receivers here. Rondell Moore from Purdue, you don't always see pass catchers from Purdue uh, rise up to first-team All-American. But Chase, I think he proved what he can do. Uh, maybe some people out there that aren't as familiar with Purdue's program, uh, give me a sense, give me uh, your thoughts on these two. Yeah, I, I mean, Jamar Chase is, uh, was the best wide receiver in college football last year. Just a true sophomore, had to come back this year. Uh, my bad. Um, my, my yeah, bad. no, no worries. Uh, but, you know, different quarterbacks. So he goes from Joe Burrow to Miles Brennan. Uh, is there any kind of a drop-off? I don't know. Uh, but when I watch him on tape, uh, he's a big kid. He's physical, uses his hands exceptionally well in traffic. He's an outstanding wide receiver, so he makes his quarterback better. Outstanding catch radius. Uh, he has all of the tools to be a a not only, not just a starting wide receiver, but a a go-to guy in the NFL. Rondale Moore. People have forgotten just how explosive he was in 2018. Exploded onto the scene as a true freshman. Had that dynamite uh, primetime game against Ohio State when the Boilermakers upset the Buckeyes at that time. He reminds me, and I, I like to do comps because for people who haven't seen him play, it draws a parallel, really reminds me of a young Reggie Bush. Just the versatility that he brings to an offense, uh, extraordinarily strong in his lower body, not very tall, about five foot nine, uh, but tremendous strength in his lower body, bounces off tacklers, could use him in jet sweeps. Uh, more of a slot guy than an outside receiver. But if he's healthy this year, now he has something to prove. We haven't seen him now, again, since early 2019. Uh, just an all-around dynamite weapon uh, for, for Jeff Brown. All right, and you have 11 guys listed here in your All-America offense. Uh, we're going to take Justin Fields out of this question because he's the quarterback. It's too easy. If you're an NFL GM, you could draft one to start your team with. What position are you drafting, and who is it? I would uh, I would have to go with the offensive tackle, Panay Sewell, out of Oregon. Um, it, you know, once we get to the NFL level, if you could find a tackle that can protect the blind side of a quarterback, we all know uh, how valuable that is and how difficult it is to find someone uh, as talented as Panay Sewell. I think he is a generational talent. I won't get ahead of myself with uh, hyperbolic statements in terms of what his potential will be long-term during his career, but just basing it, guys, strictly on, on what we've seen in two seasons in college, uh, enormously physical, very smart, competitive, nastiness, all of the physical traits that you want in a tackle, but also excessively agile, great footwork, the way he gets to the second level and looks to bury opposing linebackers and safeties. Um, I, I won't tip my hand too much because you guys know I have an affiliation with the Maxwell Football Club. But if there is uh, a non-skill position player who can win major awards that typically go to quarterbacks, this is the kind of kid that could do it for people who are paying attention. Uh, last, we'll wrap it up with a Pat Fryermuth, the tight end at out of Penn State, and then you got a few offensive linemen on here: uh, Alex Leatherwood from Bama, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, Creed Humphrey uh, from Oklahoma, and Trey Smith from Tennessee. So, uh, standouts there first on Fryermuth, and then maybe the other uh, offensive linemen. Yeah, the interesting thing about uh, Pat Fryermuth is um, uh, soft hands. You know, he's got the receiving skills that you need at at this day and age in terms of pass catchers who want to move on to the NFL. Um, 
I still like tight ends that can open holes for running backs, bruisers. You know, not not a guy who sort of looks like a quasi H back or you know uh, an oversized wide receiver. Fryermuth is a traditional true tight end. He'll catch passes, but man, he will absolutely smack opposing defenders in the mouth and open holes for Journey Brown and Noah Kane this year. So he's a complete tight end in a year where we have a really large list, Mike, of outstanding tight ends. Brevin Jordan from Miami was someone I considered as well. In terms of the offensive lineman, the one guy I I really like uh, is Trey Smith out of Tennessee because we've talked recently about a lot of health issues, coronavirus and so on and so forth. Uh, Trey Smith had a debilitating disease early in his Tennessee career. It was really up and down whether or not he was going to play football any longer. Not only returned, uh, but is returning at an All-American level. So a really interesting story. Good stuff uh, on the offense right there. Fields over Lawrence uh, and some familiar names there at the skill positions with Hubbard and Travis Etienne. We're going to come back. We'll talk about uh, the defensive All-American players that Rich Manella has on his 2020 list. And Rich, George, and Mike will be right back on the grid after this on Football Full Circle. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We're back on the grid. Thanks for watching us here on Football Full Circle. And I'm talking with Rich Cermonello, the co-host of College Football Today on his All-American picks for 2020, the defensive side of the ball. We just got through the offense. So started out, uh, I can I can take a bunch of different uh, routes here, but a name that I see a lot and people think can really be a huge difference maker at the next level, Rich, is Micah Parsons, a linebacker out of Penn State. So let's start there and we can work our, work our way out from there. 
Yeah, I'm glad you did, Mike. Uh, I'm, to me, if there's a, a signature defender in college football, for me, it is number 11 on Penn State. Uh, we saw it as his sophomore season progressed, uh, going right into last year's bowl game. He was unblockable. Uh, you know, where's that number 11 reminiscent of other number 11s like LeVar Arrington, who played the position at Penn State? Uh, I love everything about this kid. Uh, just explodes on impact. Um, great instincts in the running game. Can be impactful as a pass rusher. Uh, just two years removed from high school. Blue Chipper, when he left high school, has more than lived up to those expectations. Uh, I talked in the earlier segment about you know, a Panay Sewell, an offensive lineman who can compete for honors like you know, best college football player, you know, whatever award that might be. Uh, Micah on the defensive side is is that kid. I, I, I think position aside, to me, he's one of the five best uh, players in college football this season. You know, I, I know when I look on defense, I look for two things out of college defenders, right? One, can they rush the passer? Two, can they cover? We know the NFL is a quarterback league, quarterback-driven league. Every rule is designed for the passing game. Derek Stingley, he's your All-America at LSU. How good a cover corner is he? Yeah, again, uh, you know, true freshman last year, um, knew he'd be good. You know, LSU recruit, four-star, five-star, depending upon what service uh, moves you, uh, you know, uh, has the pedigree. Um, I did not expect him to be so good so fast. Uh, he was a blanket cover corner last year. Um you know, was not named first team all SEC. I, I think there were voters who just maybe were obstinate and would not anoint a true freshman at that level. Uh, I think he was an All-American last year. Uh, that's sticky in coverage. To be that good your first year on the campus uh, in Baton Rouge, to me, tells me that as long as he's motivated and keeps learning, uh, should be the best defensive back in college football this year. Uh, good length, uh, great back pedal, outstanding closing speed. I, I think the biggest thing for Derek, it's funny, I was, I was talking to scouts a couple of days ago, uh, they put this into my head, and I think it's a valid point. For such a young kid who thrives on picks and big plays, wants the ball in his hands, I, I think the biggest concern that I have in the next two seasons, because he's got to be here in 2020 and 2021 before declaring for the NFL draft, uh, is a level of boredom. Because I think a lot of quarterbacks now, after watching him last year, uh, Cordell Flott will take over at corner opposite him, supremely talented, but not as experienced. I don't think anybody's going to throw at Derek Stingley. And at some point, you know, the kid could get caught off guard just because he's sort of wandering around on an island. Yeah. Uh, so defensive line is interesting because we're bookmarked by a couple of Miami Hurricanes. Uh, you have inserted one of your uh, players from your favorite defensive line in the country from Pitt and Jalen Twyman. Uh, Marvin Wilson has been a standout for Florida State and was involved in some of the um, holding his coach accountable for some of the things that he made. But it's Greg Rousseau and Quincy Roche from Miami. So talk about those players for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, Manny Diaz, for as, as much as he struggled uh, in his debut season, taking over for Mark Richt, going 6-7 and seven last year, was a rough uh, first year uh, as a head coach. Sort of interesting, right? He, he, in, he inherits Rousseau, uh, and then he brings uh, Quincy over from Temple, where Manny Diaz was supposed to be the head coach and was for, what, like a few hours he was the head yeah. coach before returning back to Miami. That bookend uh, is, obviously, I've, I've declared them all Americans, is going to be unstoppable. And by the way, Manny has also done a great job in general in terms of attracting transfers to his program because Jalen Phillips just two years ago was the top recruit, I think according to Rivals, I believe it was Rivals or 247, um, top recruit in the entire country, Jalen Phillips at UCLA, had a little problem with health, decided to transfer, sat out last year. This kid, former five-star blue chipper, now is going to be a backup in that rotation at defensive ends. So that's going to be exciting to watch. If, if they develop their young talent on the interior, Miami's going to challenge for the best defensive line in the country. 
you know, I look at your list here, and, uh, you know, I got to try and translate to what's going on in today's NFL. And we see Jamal Adams wants to get paid. I keep saying it over and over again. Safety is pretty much the running back of defense. They just, not a lot of teams believe in paying them. You got Trevin Morin at a TCU, Colby, Harville, Peel at Oklahoma State, as your two uh, top safeties here. Are either one destined for NFL riches? Are either one destined to be a first round NFL pick? Yeah, I, I don't know if I would go that far. And both kids exploded onto the scenes as sophomores last year. It's it's exciting to have an opportunity to champion, uh, you know, kids like Harvell Peel and Mooring because they were not the Derek Stingleys. These were not the five-star kids coming out of high school. TCU and Oklahoma State tend to get the players that Oklahoma and Texas and LSU, you know, some of those Western uh, SEC programs, Alabama, decide not to go after. So these kids have really uh, so far kind of outplayed where they were coming out of high school. So I've been impressed with their playmaking skills. They're not on the level of a Jamal Adams in terms of physicality. I think of both of these kids more as um, uh, supersized cornerbacks, their ability to cover their athleticism and agility make them versatile members of those secondaries, but still need work to be done in terms of run defense. But for me, you know, Mike, in terms of offense, brought up overarching themes or themes on offense. Um, kind of interesting for me to have two defensive backs on defense out of the Big 12 because the Big 12, we tend to knock a lot of times for their lack of uh, defensive play, particularly in pass coverage. Yeah. Uh, to wrap up the the players on this list, uh, two other linebackers. You got Nick Bolton from Mizzou and uh, Hamilcar Hamilcar Rashid uh, of Oregon State. Sorry if I botched that name, but two guys, you know, maybe from programs that don't always pop out yep. to us uh, from a defensive standpoint. Similar to what you said with the safeties. You know, we got we're filling in with Missouri and Oregon State here at the linebacker position. It's not always the case. Yeah, kind of fun, right? And I, I don't do it intentionally. I mean, I put a lot of time throughout the offseason to come up with these lists. There's never any uh, grand plan to leave SEC players off, although I do get a lot of that on Twitter whenever there's not an SEC player at every damn position. But um, uh, Nick Bolton, by the way, Missouri, I'm still forgetting, is a part of the SEC, mm -hmm. so shame on me. You got um, two. You got Nick Bolton, you got Trevor Moore, <laughs> you got uh, Derek Stingley in there, so you got two out of 11. Exactly. Um but in terms of Rashid, what's interesting, a couple of these kids, uh, Hamilcar was a kid I thought was going to go to the NFL. Uh, he's an, he's an off-ball linebacker. He's an outside linebacker that is going to get after the quarterback, was amongst the nation's leaders, Mike, last year in tackles for loss and sacks. Love these kinds of players. So Less he's more like a Javon over. Kinlaw than he is um, a three-down a three down linebacker kind of guy. Yeah, there, there, there's no question that his strength is his length, his athleticism, his ability to rush the passer. Him coming back this year was a surprise. Marvin Wilson, big surprise. Thought he'd be in the NFL right now at defensive tackle. But Nick Bolton, what was really interesting for me last year, the top linebacker at Mizzou was Cale Garrett. And it looked that way in the first half of the season, first five games or so. And then Cale goes down for the year, lost uh, for the season to an injury. And Nick Bolton kind of steps out of the shadow and rises to the all-SEC first team, was fantastic in all phases, does a really nice job in, in coverage, which you don't always – uh, you don't always expect out of linebackers at this level. So both Bolton and Rashid, outstanding seasons. I think they'll be even better this year. Rich, we pretty much to go discuss, discuss all the players now. Is there a player or two that just missed this list? And why did they miss the list? Did you not see them enough because they're, you know, freshman, sophomore? Uh, so give me a player or two that just missed your list. Yeah, you know, there's one that comes to mind, and I, I – I'm not dinging him because he played at a small school. I'm obviously familiar with him. Uh, and maybe I'm guilty of some degree of bias that he does play at a smaller school. But Boogie Basham not only has a, a great name, uh, he is one of the premier defensive ends in the country, also out of the ACC. I have no bias towards the ACC, by the way. I just think that the conference is loaded with outstanding uh, defenders, but especially, especially along the defensive line. So... Carlos Boogie Basham from Wake Forest uh, is a kid 6'5", 275, uh, not a 
you know, one down situational pass rusher. He's a three down defensive lineman. Uh, he's the one guy more than anyone else who I think uh, can break this uh, this Miami cabal at defensive end uh, as far as All-Americans go. Good stuff. So that's it for his All-American picks uh, on defense. Again, follow Rich on Twitter. He'll be coming out with some more lists uh, as we get through the summer. Real quick, we only have like two minutes to go, but the Ivy League came out with a statement this week, Rich, concerning uh, the potential return to play. It looks like they're evaluating over the course of this weekend and on July 8th, they're going to announce whether or not football and, frankly, all of their fall sports will continue. The Ivy League, despite the fact that they don't have necessarily elite programs and some other sports are still looked to as a guiding light for many other programs, particularly in FCS football. So um, I'm getting the sense from the statements that they are looking at perhaps playing in the spring and that football won't happen on time in this 2020 season. Yeah, and and the hints that I've been getting without giving too many specifics is that uh, the FCS in general, Ivy League plays at the uh, FCS uh, level, FCS in general could be a less than 50-50 possibility that they're playing this season. And, you know, we talked about Morehouse. I think there were other small schools um, that have Bowden canceled, exactly. Um, D2 and D3 does not look like uh, there's a good chance they're going to play this year. I I think as we see throughout the month of July, Mike and George, um, smaller schools opting out of football. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Closing out this hour... 
of Football Full Circle right here on The Grid with George. Thanks to Rich Jiminello. Great guest as always. Uh, coming on with us to talk college football. We'll turn it back to the NFL now. A couple of stories that happened this week. And one, George, a little bit of uncomfortable conversation amongst uh, compatriots when it comes to the NFLPA and some of the players. Now, Tom Brady has been one of the high-profile players that has been conducting his own workouts, ostensibly to get more familiar with some of his new teammates. But in a letter, an NFLPA has directed player agents to educate the cl- their clients on coronavirus risk factors. The NFLPA basically openly saying, do not conduct these workouts outside of uh, team facilities. I think, ostensibly, to keep the players out. Look, risk factors related to the virus, but also risk factors related to their career. You're doing this on your own time and risking your own health, and the team isn't really going to do anything for you in those instances. Yeah, I mean, first let's point out, Brady's not the only person doing these workouts. Other teams are doing it as well. But Brady's making it the most public. He's posting it on Twitter, on Instagram. He's posting wherever he can find a place to post it. He's letting it be known and make it obvious. Sort of embarrassing the NFLPA, who don't want these players to be doing that, uh, working out. Of course, it doesn't make much sense to be, uh, as far as the health-wise, to doing it. I get why they're doing it. Brady, new team, right? New players, wants to get used to them, wants to... You know, when a quarterback wants the chemistry down with his receivers, I get it. Uh, Marie Smith had an interview, I believe it was with someone on ESPN, pretty much saying the same thing without naming names, but saying, you know what, you really shouldn't be doing this. We should be being more careful, that sort yep. of thing. I mean, it's hard to criticize or, I guess, treat Brady like a child, you know, and say, you know, say Tom, really, you shouldn't be doing it. I'm sure he's had a conversation with them. So now they said, well, we'll tell the agents. Maybe the agent can get through to him, that sort of thing. My guess is no. Or a player. So Tom, I don't know if Tom listens to anyone, but maybe Giselle. Other than that, I don't know if Tom's taking advice, and he's going to do what he wants to do, right? So I don't think it's going to work, mind you. Maybe he'll just won't publicize it as much, and I think that would make Dean Murray Smith just as happy. Just don't let it be known to everybody in the free world that you're out there practicing. Yeah, they, they came up with a list of conditions where it can put people at further risk, uh, everything from a chronic kidney disease to immunocompromised state from solid organ transplant. There's a whole list of things they put together, referring them to their doctors and a link to the CDC uh, that allows them to possibly do more research. But I think you're right. I think I just think it's sort of making the NFLPA not look great that the players are out there doing this. But 49% of the of the players didn't vote for the CBA that just went out there. So they're not one big happy family ever. No, you bring up a good point. That's why when they start doing these negotiations for the season, when the owner's going to want less money, this should be fun again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We haven't even gotten there, man. Like That is a huge – the sword of Damocles is over our heads regarding the uh, – the players and the teams trying to negotiate the dollars without fans, but uh, we can't even get there yet. We can't even get there yet. We have to get the players into camp. I don't even know if we can do that. So that's one. Number two, I I probably buried the lead on this particular segment, but preseason has been two of the preseason games have been canceled, right? George, it's weeks one and four are out. Yeah, that's it's, it's the early report. Weeks one and four are out. They're not going to readjust the schedule. So, like, uh, the Dallas Cowboys actually have two home preseason games. They're not going to make, you know, I guess they don't want to redo it. It's preseason. Nobody cares. Whatever it might be. No fans anyway. So what does it matter? Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, I imagine we will no longer see four preseason games. Right? Next year, they're going to go with the, what, the 17-game season. Yeah. All right? So I don't think you're going to play all. You aren't going to play four anyway. Maybe you'll play three. Maybe it's down to two. Maybe two's permanent. You know, that sort of thing. Personally, I won't miss it. Uh, preseason three was a necessary evil. I would watch it, yes, because I, I, just, I just have to. It's like magnet, must watch, must watch. Uh, but I won't miss it at all. You know, the, whether it's Cowboy games or a regular game or not. Preseason for me meant look at injured players to see how they look, and new players, you know, the rookies, that sort of thing. Other than that, I used to just pray whether it was for the Cowboys, my fantasy team, or any bets I might have out there. Please don't get. 
Agreed. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see more than three games again. Uh, I think it's you're looking at two or three games going forward. Teams will try to figure out, and this is in 2021 and beyond, I think teams will try to figure out some of those joint practices. Um, teams will travel in, maybe do a couple of days of practice, but uh, reality is uh, it's the owners probably wanted those games to continue because they at least got some gate, some ticket revenues, some sort of... Uh, concessions and parking revenues but um, that's going by the wayside and they're going to be comforted by a 60 to 70 percent jump in media rights so uh so that's that next story uh colin kaepernick netflix is going to do a, a miniseries on colin kaepernick produced by acclaimed director ava duvernay so the series is called colin in black and white it's going to explore the quarterback's high school years attempting to show the experience and insights that led to his activism now Oh, Kaepernick said, too often we see race and black stories portrayed through a white lens. We seek to give new perspective to the differing realities that black people face. We explore the racial conflicts I faced as an adopted black man in a white community during my high school years. It's an honor to bring these stories to life in collaboration with Ava for the world to see. So I would say regarding a documentary of somebody that is in the midst of writing their legacy, I'm not always in favor of it. However, I am in favor I am in favor of the documentaries and sports documentaries in general because I love them. I love documentaries and I love when they're about sports. It gives me a lot of insight. But what I think is important is that it is focusing on something specific to him. This Tom Brady nine-part thing that's coming out, why don't we just wait until your career is over to do it? Like the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary got retired 18 years ago. Like we had a whole life basically to live after we got that 10 part doc. Tom Brady is trying to jam this thing in at the end of his career when I think there's more of a story to be written potentially for him. Kaepernick, what I like about the focus of this doc, George, is that it is focusing on a specific time in his life. And it doesn't necessarily mean that his entire life has to be written out. They're going to focus on his high school years and what it was, what formed his opinions to this point in his life. Yeah, I suppose it could be interesting. I always have my doubts about uh, documentaries, how truthful they are. Are you only looking at it from one side? Are you going to tell the whole story or just your story? You know, generally, I, I'm a big believer in there's two sides to every story. And I want to hear both sides. And the truth mm -hmm. is generally in the middle anyway. You know, you, you always got to color it towards your viewpoint on one side. Same thing with the other side. So the truth is in the middle somewhere. I mean, uh, the Michael Jordan, I watched very little, almost none of. Lance Armstrong, I know. Uh, the Tom Brady, when it comes out, no thanks. Not watching that either. Uh, I, I don't really hold much interest for stuff like that. Um, I, Did I you watch I, Long Gone Summer? Long, no. Long Gone Summer. The, they did right after Lance Armstrong. They did a Sosa oh, no. McGuire doc. It was. Oh, no, no. I lived through that. I, I didn't need to, to redo oh, it again. It was not good. I, I, I don't want to get into it. I'm not going to bash people. The perspective that it gave was pointless. It was basically a commercial for how great a season Mark McGuire had. And we all so know it was like, BS with the steroids and the yeah, uh, like, testosterone. I mean, what, what is the point of this documentary? We You're just. They could have done it, as one of my friends texted me, they could have done it right after the 98 season. That was sort of the approach they took. Like, well, what a ride it was. How crazy it was. Like, what are you talking about? We all know that all of this stuff went on and you guys lied about it. And like, anyway, that's now, what documentaries are about to me. I need, I need the truth. You know, this is why when it comes to sports characters, I like, you know, I was talking about uh, during the break. I like guys who aren't afraid to say what's on their mind. I want to hear the truth. I don't care if you if I don't agree with you. I just want to hear that you're saying what's on your mind, not just follow, going with the flow, following the crowd, saying what you think everyone wants to hear. I don't want to hear that. I don't need that. That doesn't help me any. But if you're telling me uh, something that it's on you that you believe, especially if you're a former player, because you should know more, then I like that. Same thing with the documentaries. I want to know the truth. I don't care about what how you view it. All right, because I know how you're going to view it. And I know how the other side's going to view it. I need the truth. So what what really happened here? That would make it so much more interesting to me. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. As far as the, the Lance documentary, I did watch it. Um, what's what's funky about Armstrong is that he actually has reached a point in his life where he is 
come clean about all of this stuff. He's pretty honest about what he did. And he's almost on the verge of being um, remorseful. And I think he was in a couple of instances. But he did so many things to people and acted so with such hubris and so um, he was pretty evil to several people that I don't need you to come to your senses in your 50s after all this stuff has gone down. In the moment, you were a bad person. Like maybe in your second act, you're being a better guy and all that kind of stuff. But um, I thought it was interesting. I just happened to know a lot of it and uh, about about the Lance stuff. And what was odd is that they were they were going through a lot of his uh, how he used it and when it started and all this kind of stuff and. It was almost some, part of the approach of it was seemingly that people didn't know about it. And I'm like, who doesn't know that he cheated? There was never one. There's never a time in my life where I thought any cyclist was clean. The whole sport relies on doping. So I'm not actually even judgmental about Lance Armstrong for doping. Everybody doped. It was about the way he treated the people around him and tried to ruin people's lives that got in his way. Yeah, I mean, and that's what really bothers you about people. Uh, I said, when it comes to the doping thing, the steroids, my opinion's changed over the years. If you would have asked me 15 years ago, I'd have been very much against it. Like, oh, this is, this is terrible. It's bad for the game. But now I've come to the conclusion that sports, and maybe it's because you and I work in the, in the industry now, it is entertainment. We don't get on actors and actresses when they're uh, you know getting surgeries and they're doping up for a role, all right? Because they're going to be on TV, they're going to be half naked or fully naked, whatever it might be. We don't get on them. Baseball, football, hockey, basketball, cycling, whatever sport it is, it is just entertainment. We always hear what a business it is. You want to use your, you want to use Royce to be better at it? I don't care. I just don't. I think it's stupid because it's going to affect you later in life. But I, I've, I'm not the moral police anymore. You know, and listen, if you told me that for me to get on a baseball team or a football team, to be that 53rd person, to be that 25th player, I have to put a needle in my butt to make that money? As much as I'm against it, Mike, I can't tell you I wouldn't do it. Uh, it's it's 100% the way I, I feel about it. I think many people out there that are judgmental when, when it's on the line and you are that guy and all the players that have taken steroids and have made their family generational wealth, I think some people, many, many, many people would sell their soul in a sense to be able to do it. Frankly, I'm not that moralistic about it in the first place. I think many people... Uh, utilize edges in their jobs in order to try to be better and get paid more. So it's a tough way to end it, but thanks for watching uh, this edition of Football Full Circle. Get on the grid, George, and I'll see you again soon. Happy 4th, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.